the 70s, right? So that's very important. Ghislaine Maxwell has been sentenced to 20 years in prison for sexually abusing girls and, and participating in a vast sex trafficking scheme with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And um, the most recent one, R. Kelly, was just sentenced to 30 yeah. years. And, you know, those last two, R. Kelly and Ghislaine Maxwell, I mean, these are cases where for 20, 30 years, people have known that they were abusive. And I represented eight victims of Jeffrey Epstein, so I'm very familiar with that one. Mm -hmm. People just thought, well, they have so much money and power, nothing yeah. can be done. And yet something was done. Something was done because victims stood up and their advocates fought for them. So the Me Too movement is about millions and millions of victims standing up and saying no. Not about any one case. There are always going to be setbacks in social justice movements, but we can't say from that, well, the whole thing's over. It's yeah. not over. We are still fighting. I'm still fighting these cases every day, getting great results from our clients. And so people should always want to stand up for their rights. Now, what do you think like is an example of just maybe personality differences in you know the workforce versus a me too? issue because sometimes there is you're not going to get along with everyone and you know someone might think humor you know different things of humor is funny so how do you decide or like how can someone know like maybe this isn't actually correct before you know they stick up like what's kind of like maybe they don't get along For, yeah first of all in the workplace i think people should be careful keep it g-rated don't say anything in the workplace that you wouldn't want to see in a giant headline or that you wouldn't want somebody testifying <laughs> to in open court in front of your family and friends, right? So just keep it G-rated. It's really not that hard. Uh, you know, you can clean up your act. You can talk to your friends after work however you want. But in the workplace, you know, you have to understand that hopefully you're working in a diverse workplace yeah. and people are coming from all kinds of different religions and backgrounds and and. You also, you just may not know who you are offending. So, you know, years ago, I worked at a television network, and there was a young guy who was the sound guy, and every day there was a female anchor who would make crude comments to him, and he would laugh, and, you know, he told me he really didn't like it, he thought it was offensive, and she probably thought because he was a young guy in his 20s, like, ha, 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 but you just never know who you are offending. So keep it clean, keep it G-rated. Now, of course, the Me Too movement is about a lot more than oh. an occasional remark or occasional joke. You know, I'm never going to bring a sexual harassment case or something like that. My cases usually involve sexual assault or very serious sexual harassment where it goes over and over and over again. Somebody's really humiliated, demeaned, um, you know, they, they can't work anymore. They have significant psychological injuries. So it's about much more serious cases. But overall, I would say, yeah, people should be careful what they say in the workplace. And I'm okay with that. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I think now it's almost like, I think it's just better to just almost like, what would you talk to like a five-year-old with? If you'd say it in front of your kid, it's like, great, cool. Like, or you're, it's like, cool. Well, you could talk about grown-up things. You know, you just can't discriminate based on race, sex, religion, age, and you can't, you can't sexually harass, you can't racially yeah. harass, right? So you just don't want to get any more close to that line. Do you think people are so ingrained? It's almost like patterns you know so it's almost like it's so systemic do you think people are like if that's what they've seen and they've grown up with like that old boys club type of mentality they genuinely don't even know it's wrong so it's almost like they can't even help themselves do you find that's where most of your cases when they are severe like it's almost like they don't it, it's not like they're they genuinely have which is baffling to me but it's almost it's a pattern so systemic they've seen their grandparents do it and their well, you know i don't and no, look, it's 2022, 
uh, I think people should know the difference between right, right and wrong. And also, people are supposed to be getting sexual harassment training every year or every oh. two years. And uh, if you're not clear on what sexual harassment training is, those trainings should, should clear it up for you. And uh, I don't know. I really don't buy the defense anymore. Like, well, he didn't know any better. I mean, the people who I sue are generally CEOs, you know, high-level VPs and companies. They're very sophisticated people. And I, I think they did know, and they just didn't care. Uh, my explanation is ego and narcissism, and that people just like I had a high-profile guy tell me one time, you know, I thought that the great reward of being successful is that you could just do anything you wanted to do to women. <laughs> and I thought it was really, you know, it's really interesting that he told me that because I think for a lot of these guys, that's how they think. Like, yeah. look at, you know, Donald Trump saying, "When you're a star, oh, yes. you do it right. You can grab them by the, you know what." And I think that's how a lot of them think because I just can do whatever I want now, and so that's fun. Yeah, definitely. And then, kind of goes into when he says 2022, Roe v. The reversal of Roe v. Wade. For me, I was absolutely devastated. It. it because when you think about it, as someone, so I'm 31, so my grand, my grandmothers in, in 2022 have more rights over their body than me. And it's really hard to, to, to even imagine how this is happening. Um, I remember I read a quote from like Rosa Parks in 91 um, at Clarence Tomlinson's confirmation. And, he, and she said that this is not actually a step forward for America. He will actually set us back, and I'm paraphrasing, but roughly like 50, yeah. 50 years. Um, I hate to say she had foresight, but she did. Because when you think about it, I mean, something as monumental as, as Roe v. Wade, and even just, I just don't understand how it even, you, you can present it to obviously your, your peers. In your expertise, why do you think it even passed? Like, to me, I thought maybe, you know, I just thought maybe these, these men, they're almost so sick of women setting the boundaries and speaking up and, you know, being vocal and out there. It's almost like, surprise, you, this is another way to control. And it's like, you, you, you don't have all the liberties that you so desperately or keep shouting that you have. Um, that was my personal opinion. I, I just yeah. don't even know where, like, you can present anything in the Superior Court, but how did you know it was going to get, like, like, why would they pass it? Like... <laughs> Right. Why did you mean? Why did the Supreme Court rule the way they did? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, it, listen, the right is very well organized. They understand how to get power and what to do once they have power. And I sometimes think that the left needs to take some lessons from that. Okay, because uh, you know we we do a lot of things other than grabbing power and exercising power. Yeah. So the right for decades has decided that, that it's going to be a litmus test for Republican candidates that they have to be anti-choice. That did not used to be the case. It used to be that many Republicans were pro-choice, but they decided they have to be anti-choice. They are. They have to appoint judges who are anti-choice. They did over and over again in the federal courts and all the way up to the Supreme Court. Donald Trump, when he ran for office in 2016, said, I am going to appoint justices who will reverse Roe v. Wade. And that's exactly what he did. Nobody should be surprised that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. You know, a lot of people said, oh, Trump says a lot of things. He's not yeah. going to really do these things. When somebody tells you who they are, 
believe them. And when a candidate running for office says, this is what I'm going to do, we have to believe them. So, you know, Hillary Clinton warned us, a lot of people warned us this was going to happen. And this is what happened. You know, after Trump, these justices are still on the Supreme Court for life. Some of them are quite young, like Amy Coney Barrett. And we have to have them for a long, long time. So we on the left, we have to be just as organized because the majority of Americans believe that women should have the right to have an abortion in all or most cases. This is a very small minority that feels otherwise, but they have successfully grabbed power. So what can we do? Uh, There are lawsuits being brought in states all across the country. There are people giving money to Planned Parenthood and other uh, pro-abortion rights organizations. I think that's an important thing. I'm posting videos. I just posted another one a half an hour ago about what women should know if you're not living in a free state like I do. I live in California. But if you live in an anti-abortion state and the government has the right to control your body, you should know that the government also has the right to criminally prosecute you for fetal homicide if you have an abortion in one of those states, including a self-medication abortion. So there's things that you can do. There's people who are safe for you to talk to, not safe for you to talk to. There's ways that you need to go about it, but you got to be very careful. So that's why I'm, I'm posting about that. Uh, it's going to be a long road back, I think, to get Roe v. Wade again, if we ever can. It's going to involve changing the Supreme Court, and that's going to take a long time. Meanwhile, girls are going to die from yeah. illegal abortions. Women are going to die. A lot of poor people are going to have babies that they don't want, that they can't afford. I think that's very sad. Thanks to the Supreme Court, we're going to have more climate change, more guns, and more unwanted babies. That's what they brought us this term. Yeah. Um, and now, so I saw the video that you posted a couple of days ago about, you know, the cash and going to the free states and, and everything like that, which, to be honest, it sounds like we're back in, like, I don't know, this... 50s, I don't even think it's the 70s when it was initially brought. I mean, this this seems so archaic where it's even like, don't even leave a digital footprint in essence, how you said, That's you right. know, don't don't have your phone or, or anything. It's like, do not even leave a digital footprint. Um, now, when you said that, um, like the self-induced, does that include um, the, that plan B pill does, um, in the states that are not free? Because I, I obviously plan B, you could get it without prescription, it is technically not um an abortion pill, but it can prevent pregnancies. Does that? So it depends on the state. If the state says that a, a fetus or even an embryo is a human life at conception and plan B works after conception, technically that could be taking a human life in those states. You have to know your own state law. Other states say it's, uh, it's illegal after six weeks or after 10 weeks or after 12 weeks. So if it's literally the morning after, you're going to be okay in those states. But even so, I would advise you, don't talk to people about this, especially do not text about it. I know that young people cannot do anything without texting, okay? If I, if people my generation, I'm 60, it's easier for us to not text. Uh, I tell my clients sometimes, please don't text. I'm like, oh, okay, I will, and then yeah. find out this later. Of course they did, because they just cannot help <laughs> So you have to break that habit, because it could be illegal, and the, the government can get your phone, they can get your texts, so do not text about it. You know, As I said in my video, you can go to the library, most libraries, you can go anonymously, you can do searches there, and take a pen and paper, write it down there. The video I just posted, I talked about the people who you are safe to talk to, like a lawyer, a clergy person, a therapist, or your spouse, these people cannot be forced to testify against you. Everybody else can be, 
like your mom, your best friend, unless they're lawyers, yes. <laughs> um, they can be forced to testify against you. So you've got to really be careful. You've got to really be smart if you're living in an anti-abortion state and you need to end a pregnancy. Okay, now, since you've been fighting for just human rights for so long, how do you think we're going to even come back? I mean, I think since the pandemic, I think we've seen we're just so divided about such crucial issues. And it's almost like as a, as a country, we can't get our footing on how to coexist peacefully. We've always had differences. That's why there's different parties. But we could at least, or I don't know if we were faking it for so long and it looked nice. Like, how do you think that we can peacefully start back to like in essence healing wounds like and, and coexisting so it's such a great question and i can tell you that when i was in law school in the 1980s in class we would have these very robust debates about things i care just as much about things then as i do now and the conservatives on the other side they felt strongly about them so we would argue about things and then we would all go out and have a beer and pizza and have a good time and be friends it was not personal. Yeah. We didn't hate each other. We didn't call each other out for the wording of a sentence that somebody <laughs> did that we're now offended by. Okay, there was none of that. And you know, I hear law school professors at my, my law school now, Yale Law, Amy Chua is one of them, who says that you know she has to be so careful about everything she says. And many students, well, she's I would call her kind of a center right person. Okay. I don't know if I'm right about that, but that's my take on her. And. You know, students who agree with her tell her they're really afraid to speak. They're afraid to say anything. I know law students right now who also tell me they're really afraid to speak in class. They're afraid to say what they think. They're afraid to ask certain questions. And I think that's sad. How do we get around it? I mean, we have to talk to each other. So I have uh, I have a dear friend who's a Republican. He's I would call him an anti-Trump Republican, but he's definitely you know pretty solidly right. And he and I you know talk about issues. And I also listen to some right-wing media and follow it because I want to hear what's on the other side. I don't want to just dismiss it all as you know ridiculous. Or um, and frankly, it's sometimes more interesting than hearing my side. I already know my side. I already know all the what everybody's going to say on any given issue, right? I'm actually kind of curious about what what smart, reasonable people on the other side have to say. You know, on both sides, there's crazies, extremists. I think we can you know weed them out. And then of everybody else, like, let's listen to each other. It's sad to me that there really isn't a place to go in the media where you can hear a fair take on both sides. You know, I read every day the New York Times, the LA Times. I listen to NPR. Um, I rarely watch cable news anymore, sometimes a little bit. Um, but I listen to certain podcasts. And, and it's really, it's all on one side. Yeah. And I, there really is another side. So we have to listen to each other. And we have to learn how to be respectful and respectfully disagree with each other. It's hard. And we've definitely become more divided. I think Trump, you know, really threw a dynamite onto this and, yeah. and made it much worse. He was so divisive. He was so awful. He never even pretended to care about Democrats or the left. No. You know, he just made it clear he always hated us from the very beginning. And that really, I think, made things a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, I know my... My family is predominantly um, Republican. I remember, like, we had some Republicans that were, like, the more Mitt Romney-esque. Like, Trump is not my type of Republican. Then we had my dad, and he was pro-Trump, like, hard. And I was just like, and that was, I probably, I think, the hardest thing. It's like, okay, I love my dad. I respect my dad. He raised me. But I'm so confused. Like, and it's almost like you have to, like, retrain yourself how to respectfully say, like, I respect what you're saying, 
but do you see how this could incite x y and z and this is why and i mean it was it was it's tough and i think it's like it's almost like we all should have like a global class on able to change his mind no no i mean i think he's more empathetic because i did I, I my whole point was like because my dad's like he's not a bad guy he's and my whole point it's not even the popularity con it shouldn't even be a popularity contest it should be if you are the leader your goal is to unite, not divide. And that's the thing. We've, we've always had these rum rumblings of the racial injustices. We, we, we've all known this, but you don't say trigger words that give people, they feel the freedoms and the right to violently act out their aggressions or their microaggressions on, on, on you just, that's not okay, but it's by our leaders, like people, see if your leader is doing that then we do it and you know i'm mixed so you know I, i'm part black and i'm part spanish and you know so you you see on the news you're just like you know these people they, they feel okay to spew the hate because they're like oh our president does it and, and it's 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 not it's fine it's totally yeah. cool and you're just like yes i understand that but at the same time your your words you know like they, yeah. they do, they have a ripple effect. They really, really do. And people don't yeah. think that they, that they do, but I, I agree. it's crazy to me. But before I let you go, cause I could talk forever. Um, I, so you said you were 60 and you look as much as you work, you look very glowing. <laughs> so, and I know that you are, yeah, I say hair flip, but no, I was just like, Oh my gosh. So I have to know how do you balance everything and kind of like, how do you relax and keep yourself looking youthful? Cause my goodness. <laughs> Well, thank you. You're very kind. So I, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for uh, 13 years, and I've been vegetarian almost my entire life before that. So for those who don't know, that means I don't eat meat, fish, dairy. I don't eat anything from an animal. Um, so it's a whole food plant-based diet, and I'm super active. So I every day I'm like running, swimming. I do a lot of long-distance backpacking on the trail and other trails. Um, this morning I went mountain biking, so I'm always out there, and I think, you know, if you eat a whole food plant-based diet and you are super active with whatever it is that you like, so you'll keep doing it, um, that is really the key. Um, I don't use, like, fancy, you know, skin things. It, it seems like just a hoax to me. I don't know. I'm sorry if people need those. But I, you know, I just believe in being really healthy. I've also been really careful during COVID. I'm one of the more careful people. I still haven't gotten COVID, knock on wood. Everybody around me's gotten it. I didn't want to get it. I didn't want to get long COVID. I didn't want to have the mental health fallout that a lot of people, about 50% of people have a spike in anxiety, depression after COVID. I didn't, I didn't want any of that. Um, so I'm, I'm really careful. But the fact that I like to be outside um, makes it easier because I meet people outside and do everything outside where you very little risk of getting COVID. So, um, you know, of course, anything could happen at any time. People can get sick. People can get injured. And I really believe in living every day like it might be your last. And so, you know, I love my family. I tell them a lot. <laughs> I love my friends. I try to get together with my friends as much as possible. I mean, kind of hokey, basic stuff. Um, I would also say everybody needs to really keep an eye on their mental health. And one of the great things that your generation, I think, has done is gotten us to talk more openly about mental health. And if I notice that I'm really starting to feel isolated, or lonely, or depressed, or, which definitely happened during the pandemic, you know, I will really try to be active and take steps, whether, again, it's reaching out to a friend, or just going on a camping trip, or taking a break from work. Uh, 
because we all got to take care of ourselves, which is, yeah. is so important. Like, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't take care of anybody else. So, anyway, thank you oh, for the kind words. And that's really all I have to say. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I think that was just like, oh my gosh, because people typically assume, you know, like, you're like, if you work harder, so, like, you're haggard. And it's like, it's not true. Look at you. Look at how. I don't want to be haggard. Right? Nobody wants that premature aging. Nobody wants that. That's why I always say I try not to squint. Like, like I'm looking at my screen. I feel like I'm still like, oh, time to put my reading glasses on. I'm like, I have to. Nobody needs that premature aging. It's not cute on anyone. <laughs> but thank you so, so much. Uh, you uh, you just made like a whole month and it's beyond an honor. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining. <laughs> Thank you for your voice and thank you for the kind interview. I really enjoyed it. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye.